Hi everyone, I'm Deb Graper. I'm an Acts student pastor here at Acts and also a teaching pastor. I'm glad that you joined us today. I thought I'd start out with three words that are interesting. Um, blah, blah, blah. And these are words that we actually would use to describe someone when they make promises that we know that they're not actually going to deliver on. By definition, there actually is one. It means talk which is boring or without meaningful content. And I'm sure that you've heard someone say it before, or maybe you've used those words yourself. To be brutally honest with you, there are many times where I actually have listened to someone tell me something, and inside my head, I have those words just going in the background. Blah, blah, blah. And I think for a lot of us, it's because it's out of frustration. I think because we know that the words are boring, because we know that they aren't actually meaningful. And I think at the time, <clears throat> maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe they had good intentions. But long term, you kind of know deep down in your heart, in the back of your mind, that things aren't really going to change. There's no real difference that's going to be made. And it's going to end up being the same old, same old. So we've all been there before. And I'm sure you've had the same thoughts listening to people when they've started to tell you something like that. Um, you've heard this stuff before. Um, someone pays off some debt or goes into a big financial struggle and they get out of it and they say, I'm never going to go back into debt again. And you're like, blah, blah, blah. Someone gets taken advantage of by someone and they tell you, I'm never going to fall for something like that again. I'll never be that gullible. And you're like, blah, blah, blah. Someone comes out of a really bad relationship where everyone but them seemed to know that it was a huge mistake. And they tell you, I'll never fall for a person like that again. And again, you're like, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, we think or we've said these words because we know it's just a matter of time. A lot of times that people are just going to go back to their same old thing. We know that it's just going to only take the smell of a new car or a few flattering words or maybe loneliness for a few weeks that'll drive people back into their old way of doing things. And you hear the very next blah, blah, blah from them. So talk is cheap, right? It's cheap because we think that our words don't actually cost us anything. They're just words, and they so easily fly out of our mouth. Well, the difficult part actually only comes when we have to actually back them up with our actions. And most of us hope by that time that the people we made these promises to, that they're going to have a very short memory, and they're not going to remember all the promises that we made to them such a short time ago. But what if our words actually did cost something? What if our words were more, much more costly than we ever thought? What if there was a real price for what it is that we actually say? Well, I want to read you Matthew 12, 33 through 37, which says, A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. So from that, we can see that our words aren't just words that we can throw around. They actually mean much more than we ever thought they did. It actually says they'll either acquit us or condemn us. And I think that is just such a, a, a heavy thing to think about when we think that our words could actually do that. 
I think the reason why a lot of times we think our words aren't going to make that big of a difference or they don't matter that much is because we don't think that um, we immediately have to answer for them. We hope that, you know, people don't remember, and we definitely hope that God has a short memory too, right? Uh, I want to tell you he doesn't. He doesn't. And he actually says in his word that we do have to give an account for them eventually. So this shows us something really interesting. It shows us that us as mere mortals, we're so annoyed with it. And so we can see that also God is annoyed with a lot of times when we say things that we don't mean, when it's just blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there's been many a times when someone has said something and God is actually up there rolling his eyes saying blah, blah, blah about us. Um, you know, it actually tells us that idle words, what it says, it says idle words, and I think people are kind of confused by that sometimes, but idle words means empty rhetoric or insincere or exaggerated talk. Now, I'm sure some of you right now are thinking, oh, that's not me. I don't exaggerate. I don't do nothing. I mean, we've all met those people, right, that sit there and they can tell you a story. They can spin a yarn like you wouldn't imagine, you know. They can entertain you with their talk and they're the ones who have the story for everything. You know, they've done just about everything, or they know somebody who has, or they've been everywhere, or they're experts about every single thing. These people have to give an account for God. Now, I know right now you're thinking, well, that's not me. I don't do that. I don't spin yarns. I don't say anything exaggerative. And you're feeling really good about yourself right now, thinking that you're all right. Well, I want you to know, understand that don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable because there's something more actually that God has to say to us too about that. It says in Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It's evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth. So let your words be few. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through, for God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. It's better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin, and don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. That would make God angry, and he might wipe out everything that you have achieved. Talk is cheap, like daydreams and other useless, useless activities. Fear God instead. I think if we think about the fact that God hears our promises and he says, we look like a fool when we've made a promise to God and we don't follow through. What it says is our idle words cost us something. That instead what we should do is we should actually have a healthy fear of God, that we wouldn't make a rash promise, that we wouldn't offer something up to him that we're not actually going to deliver on. Like I said, talk is cheap. And I think that just like us, like I said, God's listening to us many times and just thinking, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it all before. You said these same things and you've not followed through. You never follow through with what you tell me you're going to do. It is just blah, blah, blah. So we make all these empty promises to God. A lot of times that we never even truly plan on delivering on. We just say these things to him. We get out of a mess, and we pray that he's going to help us get out of this mess. And we say, God, if you get me out of this mess, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to really buckle down. I'm going to be the person that you want me to be. And before long, you're living the life that you used to. 
one that doesn't necessarily honor him. And our words are just simply empty, insincere, exaggerated, and meaningless. Exactly what it means with blah, blah, blah. Well, Jesus made it clear how he felt when he tells the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law how empty their words are when he was actually questioned by them as to why his disciples didn't do ceremonial hand washing when they came in. And so he says this to them. In Matthew 15, 7 through 20, it says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. I love that he does that. He looks at them, but he calls the crowd and says, Come here, listen to this. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. There are blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Ugh. I don't know about you, but that hurts me. Hurts a bit. And if it doesn't, I want you to understand it should. It should hurt you a bit because we can see that a lot of times what's in our heart isn't necessarily always what's good. We're not necessarily those good and healthy trees that we would like to be. A lot of times our fruit is quite evil. So he says that we can be guilty of honoring him with our lips, but that our hearts can be so far away. You know, I think that's so tough to hear because I think a lot of us would say, no, no, we don't do that. But I think if you look at our lives compared to what sometimes comes out of our mouths, we can say truthfully and honestly, that is true. That is true. Deep down in our hearts, a lot of times, you know what, it's a lot easier just to go with the crowd, isn't it? To just follow them instead of God. It's much easier, and a lot of times, sadly, it's much more fun. Well, Jesus tells them, and he's telling us today that our words come out of our heart and what's living inside of our heart that's actually the real issue. What's deep down in your heart? Which begs the question that you actually need to ask yourself, what's actually living inside your heart? Have you really ever thought about it? What's deep down in your heart? What's there? What kind of motives do you have? What thoughts do you have? What lives inside your heart? And I think for so many of us, it's just a simple lack of holiness that's inside our hearts. Our hearts are defiled. And that word, what it means, defiled, it says it was made dirty or it's lost its purity or holiness. I think this is where the problem lies for many people who call themselves Christians. There's a severe lack of holiness in their lives. We look no different on the inside than the world would look. No difference. 
You know, we might look really good on the outside, man. We might be bright and shiny and clean, and we know the right words to say, and we know to say, God bless you, and we know all those things. But deep down inside of our hearts, it's not there. A lot of times we can be good at serving people. We can be good at giving things to people. But on the inside, it's still a totally different story. So this word holy actually means sacred, set apart from the profane, which is the unholy, and for God. And I think that's very convicting because I think a lot of us would keep part of our hearts for ourselves and the things that we enjoy. We don't actually give God our whole hearts and say, you take over, you lead me the way you would want to. I think for a lot of us, the problem is that we're not really that set apart from the world. We play in it instead. What we do is we get down in it and we roll around the mud. And somehow we think that it's not actually going to affect us, but it totally, totally does. We do exactly what the profane and the unholy do. A lot of us look no different from the world that we say that we're trying to reach. And you know, it's so funny because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll hang out with those people, we'll do exactly what the world is doing, our friends are doing, we know they're not following after God, and we do the same things with them, but then we start to tell them about how they should follow Jesus and they should do something different. And they just look at us blankly. And what they think inside their heads is blah, blah, blah. What are you telling me? You're doing the same things that I'm doing. You're not doing anything different. Why would I want to follow you? You're doing nothing. And it's exactly what Jesus says about those. A lot of times they look at us as Christians and they say, you hypocrites. You're a hypocrite. You know, our words are so cheap sometimes. They mean nothing because we do the same thing that the world is doing. Like I said, we look the same. We're drinking the same. We speak the same and we have sex the same. We're no different from the world. That's not how God wanted us to live. He wanted us to live holy lives that could be set apart from the world. It's never going to work. And the really important thing for you have to understand is that not only does it wor not work, but it actually makes God sick. It makes him sick to his stomach to watch us sit there and tell him that we're following him when he knows deep down what we do, how we are, what actually lives inside our hearts. You know, to truly reach an unbelieving world, we actually have to live spiritually disciplined lives. We have to set the example. We have to be the example for those people that are around us to change. Now, it should be that once you start to follow after God that you should start to feel conviction. There should be something inside you that actually when you're in a situation that you know is leading you farther away from God, there should be something about it. Something that taps you on the shoulder, something that makes you feel a little cringy inside where you're like, this isn't good. And that's the Holy Spirit. If you don't have that, you need to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can feel that because that's what's actually going to change you, what's actually going to grow your faith, and it's actually going to change you from being unholy to growing towards holiness. That's what we need to do. Like I say, a lot of times we're just, you know, trying to reach this unbelieving world, living this spiritually undisciplined lives, and we're never going to reach them that way. What we have to do instead is we have to do the things that God would want us to do and don't do the things that he doesn't want us to do. The things that he actually calls sin, I know that's not a popular word, 
But sin is a real thing. It's missing the mark. It's going the opposite way of what God would want. He doesn't want us to keep sinning because he wants us to understand that when we sin, it draws us farther away from him, not closer to him. It pulls us farther and farther away from him. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18 says, And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, we love to sing those songs, how we are a a son or a daughter of God. Are we really? Are we really? Are we actually following him? Could we actually call him father? Are we listening to his rules and the way that he wants us to, to live our lives? Not so that we feel burdened and pushed down, but actually that we have freedom, that we walk with our held held high, because we are the sons and daughters of the God that created the heavens and the earth, that's what we should be doing. So when we come into God's presence in all his holiness, when we actually come before him and we make promises to him of how faithful we're going to be and how it is that we really want to reach our family and our friends and we really want to be example to our kids, a lot of times when he sees how we live, what he does is he just looks at us and says, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. So how do we change? How do we become different people? How can we actually grow to be people that that God would welcome into his holiness, that he'd say, come close, come closer. This is holy ground and you're welcome here. How do we do it? What we do is we start to separate ourselves from the world. We quit living like the world lives. And we begin living more and more like how Christ lives. I know right now, some of you, I can just hear you. I can hear you already through this camera, through the matter of time, I can hear you. Well, how, Deb, are we ever going to reach those people if we're not with them all the time? (laughs) Well, you have to understand something, that when Christ spent time with those people, that we know at that time they called scum, What he did was always redemptive. It was always trying to reach them for his father. It was never just to to get down in the gutter with them. It was to show love and compassion and gentleness and all those things. But what he always did that a lot of times we don't do is it always pointed to change. You can change. You know, we say it, it acts like, you know, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. We want you to change. We want you to become followers of God that truly love him and want to serve him so that we can do what the the gospel says, the good news, that we can share it without being hypocrites, that we can actually have power in our words, that we can draw people to us by the way that we live, that they don't look at us and just push us aside and say, you're worthless, you mean nothing because you're not living it yourself, but that we are living it, that we're actually challenging people to grow in their faith and become more and more like Jesus. You know, Jesus was always an example to those people. He was always an example of holiness to those people that he was around. He wasn't getting drunk with them. He wasn't out there partying with them and sleeping around or talking like a sailor or 
watching or talking or listening to filth. He wasn't stealing, lying, or cheating. He wasn't impatient. He wasn't cruel. He wasn't unkind or unloving. He wasn't doing all the things that they were doing. What he did instead was he showed them that there was a better way, a set-apart way of holy living instead. He was in their world, but he wasn't of their world. And there's a huge difference in that. You need to understand that. You can be in people's world, but you don't have to be of their world. You don't have to take part in what it is. Well, the great Billy Graham actually describes it this way. Christians are like the Gulf Stream, which is in the ocean, but yet not part of it. This mysterious current defies the mighty Atlantic, ignores its tides, and flows steadily upon its course. Its color is different, being a deeper blue. Its temperature is different, being warmer. Its direction is different, being from south to north. It is in the ocean, but it's not part of the ocean. So we as Christians are in the world, we come in contact with the world, and yet we retain our distinctive kingdom character and refuse to let the world press us into its mold. I thought that was amazing when I read it. I thought that's exactly it. You know, we need to be, we are going to be in the world, but we don't have to be of this world. We don't have to take part in all those things that other people are taking part of. You know, the world wants us to conform to its standards. Just give up everything and start living just like they do. God instead wants to transform us. Not conform us, but transform us. He wants us to become more and more like him every day. And holiness is the answer to God ever saying the words blah, blah, blah about us. Holiness will make all the difference. When we actually set ourselves apart from the world and we start to live around people in the way that God would want us to, changed, different people, people that actually set a standard of holiness in our lives, people then will begin to listen. And they're going to notice your life and they're actually going to say something's different about them. Something that I would want to have in my life, my family's life, my kids' lives, my family, friends, all those people I come into context with life. That's what I want. I think sometimes we just don't get it. You can't save a drowning man if you're drowning yourself. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You heard what I said earlier in Matthew 15. A blind man can't lead a blind man because they both fall into a ditch. You better look at your hearts because a lot of people are trying to lead another person. They're not ready to lead yet yourself because you're still blind. You haven't seen what you need to see yet. You have to grow in your faith. You have to challenge yourself. You can't be down in the gutter living lives, your lives like the world and then think that you're going to make a difference. It doesn't work that way. And I see that throughout all America. We keep trying to be like the world. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be salt and light. Salt, that we have a different flavor. We give flavor to the world. Salt, in the old days, in Jesus' days, it actually was used as a preservative, that we actually preserve people till Jesus comes back. Light. Light that we actually guide people who are living in darkness, that actually they will come closer to God be through us shining a light on their sins and their struggles. He doesn't want us to be just like the world. We can't reach the world if we're just like the world. We have to be different. So please, 
In God's holy name, quit acting like you have it all figured out. Quit fooling yourself. Quit telling yourself that you're reaching the lost when you have not reached him yet yourself, maybe. Maybe you haven't even got there yourself. Maybe you're still struggling. Now, it's great to just say that we want to reach the, the world, the dying world, but a lot of times what we do is we go off and we try to save these people. We have not yet saved ourselves. I'm not saying perfection. None of us are going to be perfected till the day that Jesus comes back. But it's a, a want of getting rid of the filthy, unholy things in our lives. That we'd actually feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit. That we'd actually feel God's goodness and, and praise when we do something that actually draws us closer to him. And I think we have to ask ourselves sometimes, look around. Look around. Who's actually been changed by your holiness? This is a convicting message, I know, and I hope it is, because we all really need to stop and really look into our hearts sometimes and see what is living there. It's something that's really paramount for us to think about. We don't conform. We transform. And we do that by asking God to examine us a long time ago when I was at this other church, I remember us singing the song, Search My Heart. See if there's anything at all that might keep me from seeing you, keep me from needing you, keep me from believing in you, keep me from loving you. Those are the things that we have to do. We actually have to lay our hearts out for God to see. And we actually say, no, no, we're not going to keep nothing back from you. We're actually going to let you look completely into our hearts to see if there's anything there that needs to be given up. And then we give it up if he points something out to us. Is it going to be easy? No, it's going to be extremely difficult. It's going to be all you can take to get through some days. But the next day gets a little easier. And the next day gets a little easier. And the next day gets a little easier. He just wants us to grow day by day. He gives us a new day for us to, to get through, and then the next day he gives us another one to try to get through. He's so good and kind and loving to us in those ways. But we need to give God full access, full access to our hearts, not hold back anything. We also, what we need to do to actually be transformed is we have to separate ourselves from areas that we know that we will easily fall into sin. And that includes people, certain people that we can't be around. We know who causes us problems. We know that we become different people sometimes by the ones that we're around. You know, just by being around, you find yourself talking a little different, a little bit more coarse, maybe cussing a little more, saying a couple things that are really inappropriate. We know that. Those are the people that you start to avoid. You can still be their friend, but it doesn't mean you have to get down and you have to do the same things that they do. We also do it by drawing closer to God. You know, we have to actually like spend time in his word. We have to pray to him. We have to ask for his help. We have to listen to the things that are actually going to build us up on our faith and not tear us down. Unfortunately, so many of us, what we do is, you know what? I don't even know how many people actually paid attention to the messages while we've been apart. I really hope there's a lot more than I think there are. But I really wonder sometimes when I hear that people are wondering a question that was asked, asked or answered, you know, in two or three weeks back in a message that we did about what's coming up. You know, I wonder, are you not watching? Are you not paying attention? These things that we're doing, Cameron and I, the people that have taught, Amy, John, they've spent so much time putting time into a message to feed you, to grow you, 
for you to listen to so that you become a stronger follower of God, if you're only filling yourself with stuff like that's on television and, and you know, crime stories and all the different things that you listen to and you watch besides following after God, you're not going to grow closer to him. You're going to go farther away. I've heard it personally. I've heard it personally from people saying that since this time has happened that they've actually feel like they've kind of gone backwards. Whose fault is that? It's only yours. And I love my friend that said that to me. But the problem is the only person that it affects is them. It's because they didn't put in the time and the effort. See, God doesn't want us to be that. It's not to throw condemnation or, or anything to make feel people feel bad because eventually what we need to worry about is the long term. The long term. I was able to say, well, it's up to you. It's up to you to grow yourself. No one can force you to listen to a message. No one can force you to read the Bible. You have to do it on your own. Because, you know, we all know we can read the Bible and not get one thing out of it, not even pay attention to words. We just read and our mind's actually on something else. You can listen to something and not pay attention. It's up to you to grow yourself, to make yourself more holy, to spend time in God's presence. Those are the things that are actually going to change you. This empty promises that we make to God, all these things that we say we do, that we love him, that we want to follow him, that we want to reach people for him, quit saying it if you don't mean it. It truly is just blah, blah, blah to him. It makes him sick. He doesn't enjoy listening to you make empty promises. What he does is love when he sees you actually come closer to him, when he sees that you actually praise him by the way that you live your life. It makes all the difference. So it's time that you quit the blah, blah, blah. It's super important for you to quit that. And if you're not sure, let me tell you it is because we're just one day closer to the day that Jesus comes back. You know, we're not going farther away, we're going closer to it. So it's really important for us to keep that in mind when we're following after him. Malachi 4, 1 and 2 says, The Lord of heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping like joy, with joy like calves led out to the pasture. I think that's a beautiful imagine that you can, you can think about. The fact that we will leap like calves being led out to the pasture. That's how God wants us to live. Holiness is the answer, my friend. That's the answer. Quit with all the blah, 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 and let your words have meaning. Let them have weight. Let him trust that you're actually going to keep your word. For if you do, that verse is meant for you. Let me pray for you. God, I just pray that for those who listen to this message, I pray that it isn't just a heavy weight upon them. It's not just condemnation. I'm sure some will take it that way. But Lord, you know that it's because you wanted these words to be spoken that people would actually look inside their hearts. We're going to come back and we're going to start having services together. Lord, I just pray that you speak to those people's hearts right now, that they would actually start to really grow in their faith, that it wouldn't be empty promises that they make. It wouldn't just be living life like they've always done, but it would be growing closer to you, not farther away. I 
pray that there is the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that there'd be something inside them that they would feel, that they would know that there's a different way of living that they should be living. Lord, I pray that you would give them peace and joy by doing so. I just pray, Father, that you would help them in their battles. And Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.